Bible in the book of Matthew in chapter 28 and uh, we want to read here in your hearing in Matthew 28 share with you what the Lord has laid on our heart for this morning's message and I hope it will be a help and a blessing to you this will be a very unusual title to me it almost sounds like it could be used as the title to a Hallmark movie and I don't like Hallmark movies don't usually watch Hallmark movies I'm not warm and fuzzy enough for them but uh, this sounds like it could be be a title to a Hallmark movie, but when I get done, I want to try to tell you what it is that the Lord's laid on my heart. I'm preaching this morning, if the Lord will help me, on I believe in Easter. And I'm going to tell you something, when I say I believe in Easter, I'm not talking about the Easter of bunnies and eggs and uh, and uh, the Easter of, uh, uh, of, the, of a new suit of clothes and uh, uh, a lot more pollen than usual and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the Easter of the Bible, the gospel of the message of Easter. And that's what I'm preaching about this morning. I believe in Easter. I want to show you a couple of things this morning from the Scripture I think will help you from the Word of the Lord and be a blessing to you if you'll read along with us. Matthew 28, if you found your place, and if you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us. And we'll reverence the reading of the Word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 28. I did preach from this passage of Scripture at Christmas time. We preached an Easter message at Christmas and talked about the places where He lay. Of course, we also talked about the manger He laid in and the cross that He laid upon and as well as the tomb that He was laid in and how that He is resurrected. And I'm grateful for that. This morning I want us to look again in Matthew 28. The Word of the Lord says in verse 1, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other men to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him did the keepers shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen as He said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell His disciples that He is risen from the dead. And behold, He goeth before you into Galilee. There ye shall see Him. Lo, I have told you. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us. While I read the word of the Lord, I want to thank you for standing. I want to thank the Lord for the good service, all that's already been done this morning. Foundational passage of Scripture that is found in Matthew chapter 28. You see, without the resurrection, we are all dead yet in our sins. Yet we, without the resurrection of Christ, there is no hope for any of us to be saved. There is no hope of heaven. There is no hope of forgiveness. There is no hope of eternal life. Without the resurrection, Christ is not not a gospel preacher. He is not a uh, Holy Ghost filled man. He is not a teacher sent from God without the resurrection. He's a phony and a charlatan and a liar. But we know that God cannot lie. And as surely as He said, I lay my life down and if I have the power to lay it down, I have the power to take it up again. Tear down this temple and I'll build it again in three days. Thus spake He concerning His resurrection. He 
told the apostles and the disciples a couple of Sundays ago where he read about that a Calvary. He asked, Whom say ye that I am? He told them the things concerning his crucifixion, how he would be betrayed in the hands of sinners, how that he would suffer many things of the chief priests and the scribes, how he would be crucified, and on the third day he would rise again. If Jesus said these things and did not do them, then he is not the Son of God. If he promised these things and did not do them, then he is not our Savior, my friend. Oh, but I'm glad to thank God we have a risen Savior. Christianity is distinguishably, distinguishably different from all other religions, which are other religions are concerned with moral systems, philosophies, and religious observances. Religion is about what man can do to satisfy or to please God. The gospel, however, is the good news of what God has done in the person of His Son for the salvation of men. The gospel is not about what we can do for God, but it's about what God can do and has done for us. And there's a great distinction between the two. A man has spent, my friend, all of time trying to do something for God, something to appease God, something to please God, something to gain the favor of God. But we are not saved by works. We don't gain the favor of God. We are saved by grace, by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is not of works. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. How we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. How we are saved by grace, that is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. of His incarnation. Jesus came and was made in human flesh like unto us. It rests on the foundation of His crucifixion. He died, my friend. He died on the cross so that we might be forgiven. He died so that we might be saved. He rests on the foundation of His resurrection. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day rose victorious over death, hell, and the it is built upon the foundation of His ascension. He said, if I go not away, the comforter cannot come. But He said, if I go, I'll pray the Father that He sends another comforter unto you. And He shall testify of me. He said, I go to prepare a place. And if I go, and He did go, I will come again. And receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. And the Christian faith is built upon the foundation of the promise of His return. And thank God these things are announced in the Bible by angelic creatures. And they tell us about these, these messengers from heaven. And tell us about these pillars of our faith. And they told us about the redemption plan. And these, this includes both the incarnation and crucifixion. In Matthew chapter 1, there's an angel shows that. And verse number 20, and he said, speaking of Joseph, said, By while he thought on these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, And Joseph, thou son of David, fear not, that take unto thee Mary thy wife. And for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And 
Pharisee shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And in one visitation, the angel had told Joseph both about the incarnation and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. He's going to be born, and the purpose he will be born for, he's being born that he might die. And so he would save his people from their sin. Praise God. God's Christ became man Jesus. For Christ is God's promised one. And Jesus is the Savior of the world. God's Christ became man Jesus. So that we might be saved. It was announced by the angels His redemption plan. It was announced by the angels His returning promise. This included His ascension and His return. In Acts chapter number 1, what happened? Brother Matthew mentioned a minute or two about it this morning in the message in the sunrise service. The Bible said after Jesus had been taken away, when He had spoken these things while they beheld, He was taken up in a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went out, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven has shall so come in like manner as if seen Him going to heaven. The angelic messengers announced His redemption plan, incarnation and crucifixion. The angelic messengers announced His returning promise, ascension and return. But in our text here this morning in Matthew 28, the angelic messengers announced His resurrection power. And that is why we are here today to celebrate the risen Lord Jesus. And verses 5 and 6, And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for He is risen as He said. I come and see the place where the Lord lay. I believe in His incarnation. He was born the blessed Son of God who became the Son of Man. I believe in His crucifixion. I believe in His resurrection. I believe in His ascension and promise to return. I believe in Easter. Amen. And the word Easter is only mentioned in one verse of the Bible. And that's in Acts chapter 12 and verse number 4. But the word Easter literally means the Passover and the celebration of all the things that happen around Easter. For Christians, this one word has come to represent the most important event that ever happened around the Passover. And that is our Lord Jesus who became our Passover lamb and laid His life down for us and rose again on the third day so that we might have life and life forevermore. And my friend Jesus rose from the dead and so I can stand this morning and declare unto you I believe in Easter. The angel said He's alive as He said. Verse number 6, as He said. He promised that this would happen. He told us that He would rise. And this morning I'll say I am a believer. Amen. I believe in Easter.
Easter. Amen. And so I want to give you three quick things this morning, a few things about those things. About concerning why I believe in Easter. I want to say first of all this morning, I believe in Easter, by the way. Back in the days of whenever Jesus lived, Peter had not yet had that vision with a seat that came down from heaven with all those beasts and so forth on it. And if I was preaching that this morning, what I'm preaching this morning, if I was preaching back in the days when Jesus first rose from the dead, I probably wouldn't have the heartburn that I have this morning. But we had them little weenies and I had about eight of them. And man, they were good. Oh, but I'm telling you, they're hitting me right here now. So if I slow down, y'all pray for me. Amen. Oh, my soul, they were good again and again and again and again. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I believe in Easter. I want to say first of all, I believe in Easter because of the promise that was executed. The promise that was executed. Verse number 6 said, go now. I said, don't stay around here. Go quickly in verse 7. He said, he's risen as he said. And the verse number 6, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And the angels were letting those women know, don't you remember? He told you he was going to rise. Have you forgotten? He promised that he would do this. And this is just Jesus doing what he told you he would do. By the way, they were surprised to learn that Jesus did what he told them. He was going to do that. Ought not to cause us to feel too hard towards them. There's not a person in here this morning who's saved. But at some point in your walk with God has not been surprised by God doing what He told you He was going to do. He told you He would meet your needs and yet when He met your needs you were surprised that God did what He told you He'd do. He told you He'd feed your family and yet when God put bread on the table you were surprised that God did what He told you He was going to do. He told you He would hear your prayers and answer them and yet God answered the prayer and you were surprised that God did what He told you that He was going to do. What I'm telling you, they were surprised to learn that He told them He would rise and He did exactly what He told them that He was going to do. Praise God, He rose up from the dead and the angel said He's risen as He said. You see, Jesus told them in John chapter 2 and verse number 19, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And they thought that this is concerning and this temple that was before them, this great facility, and this big building, this religious structure that they had, that this thing he concerned his body in the resurrection. Amen. By the way, they didn't know what we know. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? My friend, you are the property of God. He's bought us and paid for us. And this is the Lord's house that I'm living in right here. I am the temple of God. And Jesus knew that, but they didn't know that yet. And Jesus said, you turn this temple down. I'll raise it again in the third day. He told us it rise. And when he got up from the grave, it was just Jesus to it. And what he promised him to this morning because of a promise that was executed. A promise that was kept. And Jesus did what He said He would do. 
Praise God for the declaration of promise. When Jesus told the world, as a matter of fact, He gave no sign when they asked for one. He never published a book or worked a political campaign. He just promised He'd die. And on the third day, He'd rise again. Oh, my friend, you had to either believe Him or not believe Him. On the basis of the message. On the basis of the promise. Oh, listen to me, friend. Hey, this morning, if you're looking for somebody, I can present some sort of DNA evidence. And my friend, you'll probably be disappointed. If you're looking for somebody to find the bones of Jesus, you'll also be disappointed. If you want to examine things from a scientific point of view, you'll find there's insufficient evidence to draw a reasonable conclusion. You'll have to accept the gospel of the risen Savior on the basis of faith and faith alone. And you'll even accept the gospel on the promise of the Lord Jesus and that He rose from the dead and that He'll save your soul or else you'll die lost without the Lord. And you'll just have to receive by faith that which is preached unto us. Amen. The declaration, the promise, Jesus just told them, I'm going to rise. They said, show us a sign and we'll believe. He said, an evil generation seeks after a sign. And he said, there'll no sign be given to you except that with the prophet Jonas. As he was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. And my friend, he was the sign. Three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. He rose again. Oh, my friend, whenever the so my friend and the rich man when Lazarus died the angels carried him off in Abraham's bosom and the rich man died and in hell he lifted up his eyes and he told Father Abraham said send back Lazarus to my father's house and warn my brothers that they wouldn't come to this awful place of torment called hell but the Bible says Abraham said oh they have Moses and the prophets they've got the word of and he said, Yea, but Father Abraham, they would believe if one would rise from the dead. And he said, If they won't believe Moses and the prophets, if they won't believe the word of God, then they won't believe the one would rise from the dead. And we know that to be true because Jesus rose from the dead. And yet there are still those who will not believe. Amen. But I believe in Easter because of a promise that was executed. There is a declaration of this promise. There is a distinction of this promise. And those that were around him have misconstrued the truth of it. And they lied about it. They brought false witness. And his trial before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin in the Matthew 26 and 61. And said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. But that's not what Jesus said. He said to destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He didn't say destroy the temple of God and I'll build it in three days. Oh, my friend, they made a distinction of His words at the cross they came by where He was and they wagged their heads and reviled Him saying, Thou to destroy the temple and build it shit again. In three days save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross.
is the Son of God. He had to die on the cross and be buried in the tomb and rise again on the third day in order to fulfill His promise. Oh, this morning Jesus did exactly what He said He would do. I believe in Easter because of the promise that was executed. He rose from the dead just like He said He would. I believe in Easter because of the promise that was executed. Secondly, this morning, I believe in Easter. I believe in Easter because of the power that was exhibited. I believe in Easter because of the power that was exhibited during His earthly ministry. Jesus exhibited great power. He showed us. Matter of fact, this is what He said right before He left. He said, All power in heaven and in earth is given unto Me. He had great power and He showed it in His earthly ministry. He had power over disease. In John 5, there was a man that had an infirmity for 38 years. And no man could help him. The angels couldn't even help him. An angel come down a certain season. He laid by the pool of a fence. And the angel would stir in the water. And the first one in would be made whole. And Jesus asked the man, Will thou be made whole? He said, I would. I'd like to. Sometimes, by the way, ain't none of us ever seen that. An angel even comes sometimes and disturbs this water. But he said, I don't ever get any help. Men can't help me. Angels can't help me. But Jesus said, I tell you what to do. discussion. And they said who sinned that this man might be born blind? Him or his parents? And I've always thought that was a foolish question. This man's been blind since he was born. So what do you mean did he sin? Or his parents? I mean what did he do? Sin before he was born? I mean, did he sin in his mother's womb? It's not like there's a whole lot of mischief to get into before you're born. I mean, did he sin in his or his parents? But the only options they said and gave the Lord. Did he sin or was it his parents? And now they started talking about him like he's not even there. I mean, Lord, has this man so sorry that he sinned? before he was born or maybe you looked down through time and saw what a low down rascal and a scoundrel he was going to be and you went ahead and struck him blind from the day he was born because of what he was going to do or maybe Lord you didn't like his mom and his daddy I know what it 
was. His mama was a no good. I don't know how I would be around you where you are, but if somebody was talking that way around my mama, I'd count them as five words. How about you? Maybe his mama's no good. Maybe God's judging him because his mama ain't no good. You want to get in a fight, just go to talking like that. And these men talked about him like he was not even there. But Jesus answered their theological question with a loftier reality than what they could imagine. He said neither but that the glory of God might be revealed in him. And if Jesus touched his eyes that he might receive sight and he opened the sight of the blind. He brought him out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our Lord showed he has power over disease and over darkness. Amen. In his earthly ministry, he showed us he has power over depression. There was a man in Mark chapter number 5 who cut himself with stones. He wailed day and night. He decided to hurt himself and cut himself. By the way, the reason why he cut himself is because he didn't like what he had become. He was sick of what person that he was. He was sick of the shape his life was in. He'd rather die than been like he was depressed and dark and dwelling in the stones of death and tear my friend in the graveyard and the Bible said he wore no clothes and he wailed and he wept and he screamed all night and all times he had been bound with fetters and chains and the Bible said they were plucked asunder by him in case you don't know what that means fancy words for saying they locked him up and chained him up and handcuff him and the crazy man and go into fits and rip all the chains off of him and there was nothing they could do with him he scared everybody in town they all were afraid of this nutty man who lived out in the cemetery and screamed and cut himself but when Jesus came ashore that's my friend the sea of Galilee he saw him and he ran to where Jesus was and Jesus cast the devils out and they found him seated and clothed and in his right mind at the feet of Jesus he shows he has power over depression Amen and then he showed in his earthly ministry he had power over death I hadn't got time because this is a sub point of a point and can't make sub points out of sub points and more sub points but I'm going to tell you there's more than one occasion he showed us he had power over death amen raised up that widow woman from Nain's son at my friend in the midst of the funeral possession raised up Cyrus' daughter from death down in her house but maybe the greatest illustration in his earthly ministry of our Lord's power over death is when there's a man that's already been in the grave for four days and yet his sister says come and he comes and when he gets there he said roll away the stone he said it's good for you I'm glad for your sakes that I went here how that the glory of God might be manifested roll away the stone his sister said Lord don't do that by now his body stings it'll embarrass the family if you roll back the gravestone that smell comes out and rigor mortis had set in and the 
rot of his body. But he said, did I not tell you if you believe, you'd see the glory of God. Oh, and they rolled back the stone. And Jesus prayed and said, Lazarus, come forth. And he showed he had power over death. And that man who had been in the grave for four days came bound hand and foot out of the grave alive and well. And he ate supper with them in the next chapter. I'm telling you, Jesus has power over death. I believe in Easter because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And he showed himself to have the power of the resurrection. Number three, and I'm done tonight, this morning. I believe in Easter because of the promise that was executed. I believe in Easter because of the power that was exhibited. I believe in Easter because of the pardon that he has experienced. Not only do I believe in the historical facts of the gospel, but I believe in the reality that has happened in my life. The pardon that is experienced. If you are saved this morning, it's as a direct result of what Jesus did that first Easter morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 4 and 25 said, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Justification is the basis by whereby a sinful man is made right with the Holy God. Justification is more than forgiveness. It is to be cleared of all blame and to be free from every charge in an earthly court. In an earthly court, a man, a judge, cannot both forgive and justify at the same time. Brother Matthew, you might want to make some notes on this. It may come in handy somewhere in prison. In an earthly court, a judge cannot both forgive and justify at the same time. You see, if a man who is accused of a crime is justified, he needs no forgiveness. He's justified in his actions. He was in the right. He's done nothing wrong. He needs no forgiveness. A man cannot be both justified and forgiven at the same time. He may be forgiven if he's wrong. He may be justified if he's right. But he cannot be both forgiven and justified at the same time. You know what makes everything different for the child of God? You know what makes everything different for those of us who believe in Easter? And the power of God is that we are forgiven and justified at the same time. You see, God's not an earthly judge. He is able through the work of His Son and my friend on the cross to forgive us of our sin. And He is able through the power of the resurrection in His life to justify us. On the basis of the cross, he justifies us on the basis of the resurrection. I'm forgiven because Jesus died for me. I'm justified because Jesus lives for me. Hallelujah, friend. I believe in Easter because I have a pardon that I've experienced. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
God through the cross and the resurrection of His Son does both. Forgives the sinner and justifies the sinner. Oh, praise His sweet name. The resurrection, listen to me, me, the resurrection is the guarantee of our justification. The resurrection of Jesus was the visible proof that God was satisfied with His finished work. Had Jesus died and just been buried, it would have just been all over with, it would have been gone, and there would have been no proof that have been no uh, guarantee that had never been a certainty that God was pleased with the cross. He could have been just like the men on the other either side of him. Three men were crucified that day. But with one was God well pleased. And that one he raised from the dead. And justification is available to us because of the resurrection. It's God's guarantee. And my friend, the resurrection is the guarantee of justification. The shed blood is the grounds for justification. Romans 5 and 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The blood is a ground for justification. I'm justified because Jesus, the perfect one, gave His life for me and rose again and I died in Christ and have been resurrected in the Lord Jesus. And because He lives, I live also. The shed blood is the grounds for justification. Grace is the principle for justification. Romans 3 and 4, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's not because I've done so good and all. Not at all. It's because Jesus has been so good. It's His grace. Listen to me on this last sub-point this morning. Faith, faith is the condition for justification. If you've never been saved this morning, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You're going to have to approach God by faith. Faith is the condition for our justification. Romans 5 and 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning a simple question. Do you believe in Easter? I believe in Easter. Do you? I'm not talking about bunny rabbits and colored eggs. Not talking about baskets and new suits of clothes. I'm talking about the gospel account and the reality that it may be appropriated to your life and that you can be forgiven and go to heaven. That you can have victory over your sin. That you can know God in the depths of your soul. That you can be prepared to leave this whole world. That you can know when you get to the judgment that you'll have wherewith to stand before God one day. That you know that hell will not be your home. That you know that you might go to heaven. That you can have victory over your sin. I believe in Easter because the pardon that is experienced in the heart of a believer. I'm finished this morning preaching. I'll ask you to come with a song.
I'd be fibbing this morning. I know there will be preachers somewhere that will criticize those things. I'd be fibbing if I told you that I did not enjoy the Easter of eggs and rabbits. Chocolates and flowers, especially the chocolate part. Green grass and a new suit of clothes that I need because I ate too much of the chocolate. But I believe those are things that I'm glad I enjoy and experience. But my faith is not in that. I believe in the Easter of a pardon and a promise. Amen. I believe in the Easter of a new beginning at a tomb of Jesus that offers hope of a new beginning for you this morning on this Easter Sunday. Today you can put your faith in the Lord and start life anew in Jesus. And today if you're six years old and the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart, now's the time for you to be saved. If you're 90... And God the Holy Ghost is dealing with your heart and you've never been born again. Now's the time to be saved. I don't know if I told this other night or not, but I intended to. And just in case I didn't, I'm going to tell it this morning. Had a man in my office the other day. Big, rough, gruff guy. Strong. Played pro football. and He's up in his 60s now and he's a tough guy. He's always been a tough guy. He sat down in my office and talked for a few minutes, talked business. And then he said, you know, you want to know why I came to see you about these things? I said, why is that? He said, because you're a man of God. And he said, I just want to do business with somebody else that knows the Lord. And he said, do you mind if I tell you how I came to know the Lord? I said, I sure wish you would. It doesn't happen that way all the time, see. Everybody doesn't come in my place and testify to us. And uh, he said, did you know that in my whole life, he said, I'm 60 years old. 61 may have been. He said, and I just got right with God about three years ago. And he said, God dealt with my heart in the Holy Spirit through conviction power. I don't hear folks talk that way very often either. Through conviction power, he said, God dealt with me twice in my life. Now, I was sitting on the other side of the desk. You know what was on my mind? My soul, how frightening that is. That this man lived till he was saved 58 years. And only twice God dealt with his heart. I thought how frightening. If God's dealing with your heart this morning, you push him away, you may never have another chance to get right with God. I was thinking... How sad that only twice God had dealt with his heart. You know what the next sentence out of his mouth is? He said, you know, I'm amazed at that. He said, that's grace for you. He said, I pushed God away the first time. And he said, I'm just amazed that he came back. said, ain't it like the Lord to be so merciful? I was seated on the other side of the desk thinking how pitiful it was that he only dealt with him twice. He's on his side of the desk. And he's rejoicing that God came back the second time. Hallelujah. He said, the first time was when I was a young man. And I pushed the Lord away and I lived in wickedness and sin and did just about every horrible thing a man can do. But he said then, when I was 58 years old, the Holy Ghost came again. He said he had all that mercy and grace to come again to me. 
showed me I was lost. And he said, I'll tell you, it's changed my life. And he said, I didn't know what living was. Hell, three years ago, and he said, I'm so glad I'm saved. And I'm so glad I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm so glad I know there is a Lord. I'll tell you, praise God, if your day is the day that the Lord is dealing with your heart and making Easter the resurrection, the living Lord, the real to you. at Christmas or the 4th of July or Labor Day or Memorial Day. You better get it right while God is dealing with your heart this morning. If the Holy Ghost is saying, come, today you ought to jump out of your seat. We're going to stand here in just a moment. When we do, you ought not to wait for the first verse of the song to be sung. You ought not to wait to see if there's somebody else going to move. You ought to jump out of your seat and come directly to this altar. Bow on your face immediately. Ask the Lord to save your soul. You don't have to have any special language. You don't have to have any prepared speech. Just come and say, Lord, would you please save my soul? He will hear and answer your prayer today. Save folks in this building, you pray. God to do something real in somebody's life. Everybody's tan, you need to come. Right now. Right now is the time to do it. Right now is the time to come. You need to pray, would you come? Would you come? Save folks praying. If you don't know God, would you please come? Oh my. People of God are praying for you all over this building today. It may be your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister praying for you. But they're praying all over this building. Would you come sing for us when you're ready? Do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do you need to come? Do you need to bow in this place and get right? Folks are praying for you. Some in this house are praying for you. Do you need to come and pray? Would you come? Would you come? Oh, hallelujah.
to tell these folks why you came to the altar this morning. Somebody just go ahead and look towards his direction. Let him know he's a liar. Hey, I'll tell you what we ought to do. Every one of us this morning ought to do it. Come around and shake hands with these boys and girls and hug their neck. Tell them that you're going to pray for them. And don't just tell them, do it. Can you imagine? Now, Brother Danny, it's been a long time since I've been that age. It's been longer since you've been that age. Life has changed. And this world has changed, but you know what hasn't changed? God And He's enough to let them live a Christian life and to let them live for Jesus. He's adequate. He's sufficient so that they live their lives for the Lord. And listen, they don't ever have to be and live like this crazy world is living. They can have victory and live for Jesus all the days of their lives. Oh my. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Amen! Praise the Lord! Sister Tanya's going to maybe play us something on the piano this morning. Y'all come around shake hands with them. You can be dismissed. We won't have service this evening. We don't have church listed on Wednesday night. We'll all our eggs in this one basket. But praise God, what a basket! Hallelujah!